0: Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have a great episode for you. We have musician and singer Sasha Dobson, who is a bonafide rock star. She has some upcoming shows that I plug in the outro, so stay for that, but also go to SashaDobson.com for more info. I'd also like to mention real quick that we are up for the podcast awards. They're in the nomination process right now, so if you go to podcastawards.com and nominate us in the comedy and podcast categories, it will help determine that we get nominated. So give us a hand there. We appreciate your listening. Now on to today's guest. As I said, she is a bonafide rock star. I had a really great chat with her about Many things. Sasha was very open and honest about the life and career she's had. I really appreciated her being vulnerable about that. We dropped into this chat when we were talking about doing live online performances during the pandemic. Let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Sasha Dobson.
1: I always would just do it live because it was just me and my dog here. I didn't have someone like working the digital stuff while I would be performing it. And, um, I would get so high from adrenaline, like as if I were performing, you know, mm-hmm. because it was live. I mean, even though it was just me in front of my screen, I was still live. So I was right. still like, like right before it hit live. I mean, I I mean, I'd set myself up and get dressed up and, you know, promoted and then get my set together and set up my, my amp.
0: You know, it's interesting you bring that up because when we were... Going into these live Zoom shows, these these improv shows, we had a producer who was in our ear saying three seconds and stuff like that. So it kind of felt like broadcast to me. It was. So that part was exciting and fun about it.
1: Like the adrenaline. (laughs) I mean, even more so than stepping on stage because (laughs) no, it's like not as intimidating. Something about yeah, one yeah, live. It's like
0: a right. It's a it's a flick. You know, it's like old time radio. You know, yeah. it's just sort of like, all right, here we go. I guess where's you are even old time club, TV when
1: TV was like live. A lot of TV right. was live.
0: Yeah, Tonight Show was live for a couple of decades.
1: Isn't that amazing?
0: I know. Yeah, everything was live. Like the everything only thing that's live. live is local news and Saturday Night Live. Like that's it.
1: Radio. Yeah, and like I mean it's really interesting because it's true artistry, you know, in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, improvising. I mean, it's, anyway. it's wild stuff. <laughs> in The moment though, it was like, it made sense. But then looking back, it's like when you're, it's, it, it's yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess when you're getting on stage, because you mentioned even more so than getting on stage, it was a little, you know, like exciting, exhilarating. I guess it's because when you're, in a club you have the context of i'm here all these people are here i you know i've already done sound check and all this right. like there's there are all there are all these stages to it that include you being in the space so it's not like the flick of a switch that doing a a broadcast over the internet is uh huh and you also feel the energy of the room and the space, like, you know, the crowd is there. You, you you feel that energy before you go on. It helps you ramp up.
1: I mean, my way of, like, digging into the energy of the room, so to speak, when I would do live streams, which I did a lot of um, actual live streams for two straight years. I mean, to think that I never charged, I never made a fucking dime on any of that because I was just too eager to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally burnt myself out, I thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't just play for free. You know, not that that's why I do what I do. There's a kind of an exchange that's built into what I do. Um, but there was just something after a while where I just thought, I can't keep doing this, like where I'm just like pouring my fucking heart out every mm-hmm. week. You know, it's yeah. we've passed this this sort of like safety net of like helping each other get through like we're it's officially now it's got to turn but then i went into this creative spell before things started happening before everyone became vaccinated and we mm-hmm. started to build our way back into life it, it, where i just was devastated from not performing i mean you know yeah. and it's a combination of performing of connecting of seeing people uh, and but particularly what I do, I wish that I were, it's like hard not to get emotional about it, but I wish that I were more uh, self-sufficient as a musician in in that I mean people see me as like, oh wow, you 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 do a little bit of everything. Yeah, but when that's... it comes to being like an actual musician, I really, really, really feed off of the other musicians. Like I'm a super com communicator.
0: Mm. You I like playing improvised. live with the band.
1: I play live with the band. I'm like improvising every second of the way. Nothing mm-hmm. is ever the same and it's always bounce. It's even if we kind of know what we're going to do or we're going to play the same set as last last week, it's going to be totally different. It's going to be a different tempo, a different feel, a different vibe, you know, but yeah, it just was so hard to not do it, act access any of that for so long. it's, it's mm. just a it's just such an interesting Couple it of year.
0: sure was, yeah. And it it is also interesting. I'm always sort of surprised when people who are as, who I I see you as very accomplished and extremely talented. So it's interesting that you're like, oh, I wish I was more self sufficient. Because here's the
1: thing, like, this is I funny just wish to I me. I didn't need people so much, you know. <laughs> I wish I didn't need others, you know, in in, in the industry to do what I do because. I want to be able to be as happy as I could possibly be on my own. But what I came to realize is, like, I thrive on the idea of being self-sufficient and like making my own music. And pl- I can play drums. I can play bass. You know, I can, I can do it too. You know, is, is like this sort of headspace that I love to see myself as, but or this person I would love to realize. But but yet, the bottom line is, is I need people. <laughs> I need other artists. <laughs> And I need to talk to other artists and be around other artists and I and I need to play with other musicians. Most importantly, mm-hmm. it's like it's this bittersweet thing where like I long I, yeah. I don't resent it. I just am, you know, the this sort of lo- love and loss and you know, which mm. between losing great artists in my life over a number over the years, I'm old enough where I've had a few losses where it's like, you know, you have to go through the pain of a great collaboration. We're not even really talking about a love relationship, just a great artistic relationship that that may disperse because of of death or, you know, collaborations begin and end. But particularly the pandemic was so severe that it was Uh like, I have this house full of toys and instruments and there's typewriters and drums that I couldn't have. There is no reason why I shouldn't have 50 new songs.
0: It's but like you released an album last year. That's true. I,
1: I, that was already recorded before the pandemic. I mean, yeah, it's easy. Okay. Anyway, you know how it is. We're, we're always wishing that we were doing more, but particularly right or we're TV different music.
0: somehow. Yeah. We really
1: like need other people to like mm-hmm. be this the happiest musician. You know, I guess that's my point. My long-winded boring point is just <laughs> the pandemic really changed me in that
0: yeah, you're used to playing with other people.
1: I need that.
0: And you didn't have that Nothing. for two like, years. Uh, for you days. know, yeah. yeah,
1: it's really intense. That's,
0: that is rough. Yeah,
1: I was like, it's fine, it's fine. And then it wasn't until like close to the second year where I was like, I feel really tender <laughs> in my heart, That's <laughs> small.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we all felt that. And maybe we sort of wrote our own stories as to why. And maybe sure. that's your the story you're telling yourself is, well, right. it's because I need people. And, you know, why do I have to need people? But, you know, honestly, it's it's all very normal. Yeah. I mean, this is the way I found out you were a badass. <laughs> I think it's hilarious because listeners don't know we met at our <laughs> wine shop. Wine shop. <laughs> <laughs> you lived that's across the street
1: wine all the time, which I can't now because I have an hour of commute <laughs> each way now. So I can barely ever cut loose in that way.
0: Yeah. And well, we would see there talking to Rick. Because a wine
1: Rick, shop was across the street from us. was my across house.
0: the street from where he lived. It's down the street from us. And so we'd be there and we we're always just like, oh, yeah, hey, Sasha, hey. how's it going? And then one day, months after knowing you, Justina comes in and says, do you know that Sasha is a musician? And I said, <laughs> no. And <laughs> they are like, oh, yeah, That's Gina, just, she is. silly lady. Yeah. Well, we yeah. didn't look at it. That way. I well, mean, I didn't even talk, right? At, at our old laundromat with George. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dog George. Yeah. And I it's well, always like, oh, that precious dog George. Totally. Like, like People that was what that was who you were in my brain for so sure. long. For and sure. then I found out you're a musician, and we go see you, like, uh, go see you perform, and like you were playing drums, and you were so oh, awesome, and you had this cool guitarist who you were playing with. I was like. She's the real deal. Oh, you and saw then, us with
1: Ti Power
0: Trio. I, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Oh wow,
1: that was the, that was a cool project,
0: right? And I I was like, she's the real deal. I had no idea. And then years later, I mean, I'm sad to say, this was this past December that I realized something else insane. Wow. So I was I. Fell into a rabbit hole on YouTube looking at just a bunch of music videos and like performances that people are doing and Christmas songs and stuff. And I saw this thing of Nora Jones and the Empire State Building uh-huh. performing uh-huh. on the roof of the Empire State Building. I was like, right. Oh, that's cool. I'll check this out. Then I see you singing back up. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, they know each other? And then I like went to her it was so I went cool. to her Instagram and then yeah, I said I could tell it was very cool. But I went to her Instagram and saw that you're in uh, all these pictures of hers and, you, and that you're in Puss in Boots. And I was like, wait,
1: I've I've definitely seen Puss in Boots know on power, but they don't know it's me. I was, it's a story I was of like, my life. <laughs> it's the story of my life. Like, oh, and everybody knows of me, but no one knows me. And it's just so interesting. But I kind of don't mind. I think I almost created it like not that I should <laughs> be famous, but it, I But it's it's this strange contrast. Even in my town, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're like you're famous, but I'm not famous. I don't have any friends out here. (laughs) I don't know. It's like my Instagram. I mean, it has some followers, but it's not very. I don't know. That stuff isn't really important to me. I don't really right.
0: I don't. uh, You're very laid back and cool, and that's what makes it legit to me. But. I just didn't know. Cause you're not going around telling you're not, bra- you're not a braggy
1: person. What that? Yeah. Right. I some people do that, but
0: oh, yeah, but you're thankfully not one of those. You're like, you're, you're cool. You're chill. And so it, it ended up being this same thing. I don't identify thing.
1: with that part of my like like that I'm famous because I get to do some bigger things, but you know, the day to day is, is the struggle. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. the one thing people don't know. It's like, and it's almost like I don't want people to know that I'm struggling. But yet it's strange when people are like, they think that I moved out of town because I bought a house in the Hamptons. And I'm like, I'm in the walkways renting an apartment because I can't afford to live in Brooklyn. Like people have no idea. They think that I did one TV appearance with Nora. My landlord saw me on TV with Nora and he raised my rent the next week. Oh. And we talked about it and I'm actually going to move, which is fine because I need to move back to the city. I can't deal with the commute anymore. But it's so interesting because... I mean, I'm, ha- I'm happy people see me as success, but the stuff that you really work on as an artist, that's your blood, sweat, and tears, people don't, I shouldn't say people, but that's the stuff that I really see as accomplishment. And then I get like, someone trickles down a little extra something, something, or Nora might have a gig where she can hire me. And, you know, mm-hmm. like you get a little taste from someone who has a lot of resources, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like a little... It's like an extra cup of cake or an extra piece of cake, an extra cup of ice cream or whatever. It's like a, a sweet treat, but it doesn't embody your life's work. Right. But that's what people see. Right. It's so interesting. And, and that part, I'm not complaining. I mean, if it's, but I know what you mean. People see that, that then they come back to my Instagram that they've been following for 10 years and go, oh, let me really dig into her content here or what you have seven albums. I have all this content that people see and see and see and see and never actually see. And I don't mind. We are a society that needs constant pounding in order to actually like digest any information. It's like, we're so blind now. Mm -hmm. Back from when, back when, when television was live, You know, like, I feel like people were, it was a little easier to get the attention. But now you really have three networks. Remember, remember, remember. (laughs) I'm not saying you. Our thing was different because we met just on the street as people as we are. Right. I like to carry that out into my legacy, whether I become more well-known in in the mainstream or not. That's always who I want to be. Is Mm. like a laid back person who's easy to talk to or whatever. You know, I'm never going to be somebody different than I'm going to be on stage. I might be a little sillier or a little shyer, but I'll always be the girl (laughs) in the purple, you know, whatever. I don't know. (laughs) There's so much about what we do that Mm -hmm. like.
0: Why aren't people noticing this, though?
1: Oh, God. I mean, that whole thing. I don't resent it because I I used to have a little bit of a hard time with it. Like, yeah. I don't want people to see me as a jazz singer. I don't want me, people to see me as a drummer. Mark Jones's bestie. Right. And now I'm just like, I love all of it. I want people to think of me as a jazz singer. I want people to think of me as Nora's confidant. I want people to think of me as girl drummer. I want, you know, I don't care anymore mm-hmm. as long as it brings people to, um, if they're aware, of it, if it makes people aware of something that they might enjoy, great. You know, whatever pulls them in. But it, it but it, he, particularly when it becomes like my extended family. You know, Nora's on a big tour now. Finally, after these two years, she's got got the big guns out on the road for the summer. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah,
0: and you all are doing something next week in California.
1: Well, Sin Boots is opening one show, <laughs> and yeah. uh, which is an amazing, hilarious yeah. thing. I mean, Nora would burn herself out if she were opening. If she were in a band, people are like, "Nora's opening for herself," and and I, well, I would, uh, yeah. It's not that. I mean, Nora is excited to share a band that she plays in that shows mm-hmm. a completely different side of who she is. She's mm-hmm. excited to share that with her audience that doesn't know this side of her that is way sillier. Where she get mm. she doesn't get to play drums in her band or do any of this silly stuff. She doesn't get to write music. She's written, you know, she gets to show this other side of her. That's a big chunk of her with Mm -hmm. her audience. So it's not necessarily Nora opening for herself, you know? Right. Well, it's funny. We've gotten some funny comments there, but um, I'm excited. You know, it's an opportunity to, that band is a bar band. I don't know if you ever saw Puss in Boots, but it's like. Not live,
0: but I, I did see you all on Fallon. Really? I saw that perform.
1: That band. What was it Our steady gig was at Sonny's in Red Hook around the corner. Oh. from me. So ah. that's where we always played for so many years. Like the whole time I was living there, I didn't, I would have told you. Now, <laughs> I would have like, loved
0: to have seen that because I thought when I saw you all on Fallon, I was like, oh, so cool. <laughs> like, I mean, that
1: was like, we, we all, whenever we do anything high profile, which is rare, I mean, because it's hard, even, even before the pandemic, it's hard to get the band together. Nora has two kids and Catherine, Catherine is. Lives in Queens now, and you know, anyway. But the point is, is, um, back then we were all in Brooklyn, and we we all had a a little bit more time to do local gigs, and Mm -hmm. and it was pre-pandemic. But Sonny's was like where we developed all of our songs, and we played there for years. So whenever we do anything fancy, it's kind of like, what are we doing? We're a bar band.
0: (laughs) Well, it's very cool. Yeah, I actually just saw this. You and Nora Jones were born a day apart yeah (laughs) and i'm like two and a half months older than than you both
1: oh my god we're the same i love (laughs) that it makes sense because we hit it off you you and i and your partner
0: well i guess you're not a capricorn
1: (laughs) but but same year is a thing you know yeah it means that we experienced this like with with, like girls just want to have fun we were yeah five Right.
0: <laughs> right. <is> right. <laughs> 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 remember <laughs> Prince coming out and Michael Jackson?
1: Same age. Same j- Yeah, we were both in the same grade. <laughs> right. You know,
0: right.
1: I forget that I get along with people who are exactly the same age as me because it's like all the things that hit us. We, we anything we
0: say. Yeah. Anything yeah. subconsciously that informed how we behave <laughs> now, <laughs> we share. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Kind of deep. I should try. Like purple. We're both. You have a purple shawl on, and I have a purple shirt on, (laughs) and it's entirely
1: my Prince (laughs) influence. It's my
0: love of Prince.
1: Oh, really? I must have a Prince thing. I mean, it's probably because of Prince.
0: I mean, we saw so much purple growing up. You know,
1: a lot of purple. And also for me, it was like, I mean, my parents were jazz musicians, which is, I mean, a whole other topic, I'm sure, but like, um, right, being like
0: uh, it explains why. Because your dad was, was a pianist, your mom, a singer, your brother plays saxophone and drummer, and, drummer and
1: saxophone. He's a big gun, you know, multi instrumentalist, but drums were his first,
0: yeah, and he was a drummer. And yeah, and and your family played at the Monterey Jazz Festival when you were 12.
1: Yes. (laughs) I mean,
0: this is, this explains why you can do so much and are so, so talented. Uh, I mean, it's just ingrained in you at this
1: point. I can do a lot in one particular um, subject. Like I really over excel in music, but then it's like in so many parts of other parts of existing (laughs) it's like oh I mean man the pandemic we all got hit in different ways but for me just psychologically it just it was a really interesting experience I keep coming back to because it made me see like even though I've always played music it's been embedded in my lifestyle Mm -hmm. having it taken away it gave me such a different respect for what i do and what i have to do because it isn't just that i love music or that i'm good at it it's like i need it like it's Mm -hmm. it's all i know i mean i know other things i'm big on yoga and health and there's a lot of things i'm into geez what would i do if i couldn't play music you know yeah i've thought about that a lot a lot the last two years um
0: was there something else growing up that you thought i mean what when you were, I mean, since you played a jazz, a major jazz festival at 12, I imagine the answer is you didn't think of other things. But when you were young, was there any point where you're like, yeah, I want to be a teacher or something?
1: The only other thing I wanted to be was a tap dancer. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have my shoes and I still want to I still love going to dance class. Like, I still dream of going to dance school at 43 years old, which is insane. But the point is, is I have no. No, it's if, not. What? It's not not at all. It's crazy, but I love all the things I love to do are like body related and or um, musical. One thing that I didn't know I I loved until I got older was writing. You know, and and songwriting is definitely pushed nudged me into a little bit more of an intellectual way of dwelling, but I. (laughs) dropped out of high school you know I got my GED but I I left school so young Mm -hmm. that I didn't really build the confidence that most people might have just just that you just have from like graduating high school and going through like a normal number of years of schooling that I just Mm -hmm. always assumed I wasn't a writer or a reader or you know all these other things but um I mean, I don't know what I would do. I do love fashion. I do love styling. I've styled I've I've styled all the Puss and Boots. I've indirectly styled and helped style all the Puss and Boots, photo shoots, album covers, you know, I which are so
0: they they pop those those images.
1: Oh you have I mean, done I, a great I, job. We have great photographers and the, and then lots of other people that help. I mean, I, I never tend to like not that I deserve credit that i'm not getting but i but i i i've thought about this like what else could i do because especially in the middle of super chaos a year and a half ago it was really like it actually wasn't until i really hit like a financial like wall where i was like it isn't what what else do i want to do it's like what can i do immediately <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what i mean I, but but yeah i mean i don't know man it's so strange asking yourself that question when you're half a century. i <laughs> <laughs> Not quite 50, but... Uh,
0: I get what, what you, you mean, though, but the, the, the pandemic really threw things off. What was that?
1: Well, what about you? Like, what's your main job?
0: I'm also one who is doing a few different things. I do a little audio production as a side hustle, and I do acting work, and you know, I'm trying to find... A more steady main thing. Uh huh. Yeah. I still wanted to be in media and entertainment though. Yes. Like you, it's just felt like it's been my whole life to do both, you know, uh-huh. to be a performer, but to also create and make uh-huh. things and be a uh-huh. part of developing and making things. That's just yeah. like, even when I was a little kid, that's just where my mind was.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: right now, I'm up for a couple of gigs that I hope I get because it would be the nice steady income yeah. and still in an industry I want. And I'm actually still waiting to hear back on. Uh, I
1: hope it works out. I do too. <laughs> I'm like, been... ready to like get back on that fucking train, man. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it took me a minute to even have the uh, excitement to say that out loud because at first, you know, when the, people keep saying, Oh, you're working. I see you're working. And I'm like, I have one gig this month. I'm not working, you know, where I'm just yeah. like, I can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, next month is like full and, and yeah, uh,
0: I saw that. You have a bunch right. of shows right. coming I'm up. To, yeah. I don't
1: know. I'm trying to let go of the worry and just allow things to open up again. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, it's cool. You're going to be in California. You're going yes. to be, you have a bunch of dates in North uh, in New York. You have a uh, Vermont and a Connecticut gig. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Nora. So I'm going to open under my own name for Nora in Vermont, which will be cool. Awesome. Yeah. So that's Sasha Dobson original music. And, uh, um, oh,
0: that's super cool.
1: So we're, we're going to play the night before, like leading into just a little, little tiny mini tour.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I see you're playing in Brooklyn a couple of times. So hopefully we'll get to huh. go see that.
1: Oh, that'd be great.
0: Yeah. Great. Cause you just did a show when we weren't able to go.
1: That's right. What was it? I can't remember, but
0: it was here. It was in, here in Brooklyn, not far. I feel like it was, I could walk there. Um, but it was at yeah. like 11 o'clock and we were, we oh, had something that was going to be running right. up to that. And it's like, oh, we'll be able to make this. Yeah, it
1: it was late. That I was just, I'm going to really try and bust out a couple of new, newer songs for this opener. Opening for Nora, is it true? I mean, it's exciting to do it with Puss and Boots, but that's not really me. I mean, that's, it's, mm-hmm it's it's a band that I play in that I support this other entity but mm-hmm. my personal you know music and the stuff that I put my heart in I put my heart and soul into Puss and in Boots but but Sasha Dobson is like what I, what I work on you know mm-hmm. what I spend my time right. working on and so that getting to open for Nora in that particular with that picture painted um, I'd like to bring out some new songs for that. So that's basically what this month is about is that's kind of why I took that late gig is I've just been kind of forcing myself back into the right. momentum of just throwing myself on stage. Cause that's when the ideas start happening. Yeah. yeah. Got uh, get Ready. <laughs> yeah. Like you
0: established yourself. Now you're from California, but you, you established yourself in New York in the early two thousands. Was the fall the first time you worked
1: with Nora? So I moved to New York in 97. I was 17. Okay. And I went to the new school. And then I met Nora oh. about three years later. She came out for a summer. She had finished at her school in Ooh. Texas or wherever she was. Um, and Interlochen or somewhere. Anyway, she.
0: That was before her big breakout that you two oh, yeah. met and bonded. Yeah. Did.
1: We met in the late nineties and we had similar jazz friends. We always mm-hmm. roll independently with similar people and mm-hmm. um ended up sitting in on a gig together. Immediately we're like, hey, you know, in the way we were cut in it, like, hmm, she seems cool. She seems cool. And we never lost touch and then like hung out and hit it off. Like we we just on our own, we sort of were like, I think we're gonna be breath. And then yeah. Um, and I was at that time in the early days before her album, when we were both rolling on the scene in New York, late nineties, early two thousands, I was like super jazz, like nothing but jazz, didn't play guitar, didn't play any instruments. I came out here to sing jazz. I sang jazz my whole childhood. Mm -hmm. I had a big ego. You know what I mean? Like I, I really, I'll just say a more diplomatic way of putting it is I had, all, my, um, I, all I identified with as an artist was singing jazz. and so Did you play
0: um, any instruments by that point?
1: Not, not yet. I mean, I oh, played wow. a little piano, but nothing live. And I didn't write on anything yet. I didn't mm-hmm. have any confidence around using an instrument to develop ideas. It all was through my ears and my voice. And so um, uh, I never strayed from the smallest jazz scene, Smoke, all the jazz clubs in New York at the time. That's where I lived. And, and Nora always had something going on. Like she was hanging out at the living room and playing country music. Like I never hung out in those circles and I never Mm -hmm. knew about any of this other world that I would, I never knew I would, or could exist in this other. It was like a real opening for me, which ironically happened after my dad died, who was a big Mm -hmm. mentor and he died tragically in a car accident um, when I was 22, which is like Mm -hmm. a horrible, sad tragedy. And like, big mark in my life but 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 taking the sadness out of the equation and just looking at it as a timeline it wasn't like a premeditated thing like now that he's gone I'm gonna leave jazz but it was so interesting how Mm. everything I'd only given myself one outlet back then and then when I was you know dealing with so much tragedy I hadn't explored any other ways to express myself and the one outlet that I had was like the one thing that made me super sad, you know, my biggest, my, my teacher, mentor and parent and employer, you know, I mean, I was bummed. And so oddly enough, right around that time, Nora had come back into town and I was like thinking about playing guitar, but I had no confidence around it. I was 23, 24. and, And I was like, yeah, man, I'm thinking about playing guitar. Like but I was so shy about it because all the, we were already established. Everybody was already good at what they could do. So for me to pick up guitar at that point, it was like an, it was a gift from the heavens because I was definitely like sure nothing would come from it. And at the time Nora was like, I'm thinking about playing guitar too. I'm sick of piano. You know, she was already famous at that point. She, and she was like, don't say the word piano to me, you know. And so we mm. just magically like came back together after a couple years of being apart, and you know, and just we were magnetically just. She needed a break from this insanity that happened to her, and I was truly right. like it in this. In it, at the time, it felt like the same. You know, my dad wasn't hugely well known, but in our circle of jazz musicians, he was very well known. And my mm-hmm. dad's death was very public and, you know, mm-hmm. and so in the jazz world, I was just ready to hide from that scene, just right. anything to get a break That from, is interesting, you know, yeah. It was so overwhelming mm-hmm. because I was very popular in my small circle, you know what I mean? Anyway, but, but yeah, playing guitar, that's how it started. So I didn't start playing guitar until I was 25 and, um. And it was, a, you know, it was really just for fun. And then it just took over it. And then a couple of years of screwing around on guitar with Nora, whenever she had time, I had time. And then the next thing I know, she she asked me to come on a tour with her. And at first I thought, sure, no problem. But it, she asked me to play guitar, sing harmonies. I played some drums on a couple of songs with the main drummer. I did all the things that I do now, but it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. I mean, all I ever did that was help in the public eye was sing jazz So as a performer. So it would be like some other thing that you, you know, right. you act, you do comedy, you know, it would be like this other thing that you're just like, I've never done, you know, naked improv.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it some- there's yeah, always some new thing. We just a did a show at Google last Wednesday, like at Google's headquarters in New York City, and it's like, okay, well, we're doing this. I didn't know this was an opportun- going to be a, a an opportunity two exactly. days ago. But I'd have thought about asking. what
1: I was going to wear. You know, I right. mean, it's weird how <laughs> those things happen, and I hope they continue to happen. I mean, it feels like it's hard not to think like I had these insane opportunities when I was super young and totally unaware of it. And I mm-hmm. didn't have management. I didn't have a website back then. I didn't have any social media. So anyway, I ended up opening a lot of those shows for Nora. And I didn't have like the resources yet to like really mm. capitalize on that opportunity. I mean, people go back right. and think, oh, you're that girl that opened that show 10 years ago. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, hopefully. But at
0: that, yeah, because yeah, that was even... Before MySpace. Yeah, it was like
1: right when MySpace started. So, you know, I mean, Facebook, I have early, my earliest posts on Facebook are when I was like in the middle of tour on the fall with Nora. By Mm -hmm. then, we'd known each other 10 years. Right. But but I I, I just started playing guitar and shifted into this other creative creature, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is interesting seeing the way things are now. Because everyone is capitalizing on the smallest bit of attention that people can get online, like musicians. And they can self-promote and self-produce and and put things out there and then get totally screwed by Spotify. But still, uh, (laughs) they they don't pay. Yeah, I mean... It's such a different... Because there's some things that are better now, right? Like, yeah, like you can reach so many people. The chance to get your stuff out there. You can reach so many more people.
1: People are famous because they have a TikTok video that goes viral that has nothing to do with what they're famous for. Right. You know, It's so stupid.
0: Yeah. But it's also like in a way worse than it's ever been because of that. Right. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, like (laughs) a huge amount of people through social media. And yet when it comes to like feeling like you're being recognized for the work that you care about, Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. Um, I wish that I had a little bit more of a strategic system for those types of, for that type of work so that I could feel a little bit more science about it and not be so like, you know, like today I was gonna post about all these shows coming up, but I just didn't want to. And so I just ended up <laughs> rambling about like the you know what's happening out in the ocean these days. You know, just I just felt like being neat. And yeah. I just thought, uh, you know, fuck it. <laughs> you can go to my fucking website, you know. Right. Like, right. They shit. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: it's, don't know. It's tough to do stuff alone though. I mean, it is better to have a team. Like I was looking at some YouTube video of um, the good guitarist and I was looking at how it was produced and what had to go into that video. And I thought, I hope this guy has a team because this was a lot, (laughs) a lot of scheduling that he had to do to just pull off this one video, one Uh video, you know, Um. online. And it's, it's a lot and people need teams. Like I just had a few weeks ago, Carrie to smooth Marshall. And he was talking about having a team and it, it makes things easier when you can have some other people who are putting together some videos, but you know, it's It's
1: all work. I mean, you know how it is. It's like, I, I did some videos last summer, I mean, last over the pandemic, a few projects, particularly because a lot of the people that I wanted to work with were around because of a lockdown, you know? So there was this sort of window to like do things that I maybe wouldn't otherwise get to do Mm -hmm. uh, where these incredible people were able to come together in this like insane situation, you know, under these insane circumstances. right? But even that, like having people involved and having an editor and all those things, I still had to like prove everything, go through everything, tell them what I didn't want, tell them what I, I mean, unless I were an artist that didn't care, I had to be involved in every decision and you know I mean it I recently did a bunch of shows at Birdland for the jazz record I put out and we did five sets three nights five sets and it was a huge undertaking I'd never done like a run of gigs in New York before And like most people would just take advantage of having five nights of work or five sets of work and just do the same band and like get a little momentum going. But of course, since I'd never had this opportunity before, I had to do five different bands and five different sets of music and totally like burn myself out, like on every level. And because I've got the guitar thing and the jazz thing, I just wanted to do it all. And then my brother came into town, who's like my greatest hero and we record it and videoed and there's all this amazing content to go through, but I'm just at a little bit of a block because it's so much work.
0: Yeah, um, it is.
1: There's only so much I can let other people do. You know what I mean?
0: I totally know what you mean because you have your instincts for how you want it to look. I mean, that, yeah, I, I do everything no, with this podcast. I could have someone else just to save myself a few hours a week. I could have someone else edit the interviews down. Right. But then, but they're going to pick stuff that I don't want.
1: (laughs) And then it's almost like dissecting the, the troubleshooting that might take longer than you just,
0: just doing it yourself. I mean, it's the reason that's a phrase. If you want it done right, you do it yourself. But I mean, yeah,
1: the booking (laughs) And you know, there's a certain level of legal where I'm talking to a jazz agent right now that I'm, if, if there's a place for me in, in, in his world of what he's trying to do, which I really think could work. We could maybe do some great words together. So hopefully this guy could find a place for me that makes sense. But, yeah, um, I hope that works it, out. Yeah, yeah. Because that and management, it's like, that's when it's like, I'm like, I really need someone in front of me and legal, in front of me and the clubs,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: it's the, the booking, you know, it's, it's a lot.
0: Right. No, I remember. Horrible. It is it's a lot for one person to be doing and and when it's the stuff that there there when there're ways that you can let someone else do it like that protects your energy. I mean, that was
1: Yes. energy and, you know, I feel like it's like this strange psychology like people want they care that it's almost like they they want to pay for stuff. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like they uh-huh. want to go to a show that that they're, they they would they're more likely to go to a show that costs money than a show that's free or yep. whatever that apology is, which is kind of mm-hmm. true. Like it's it's like people want to hire an artist that has they they want to deal they want to deal with management. They don't want to deal directly with the artist, or even if they think they want to deal, it's actually easier to deal directly with management and. I don't know, do business that way. There's just something about having something in between me Mm -hmm. that it's definitely better. It makes
0: sense to have someone in front of you or have someone else making some decisions on certain things that allows you to focus on the creative stuff that you want to focus on. I've even heard Joe Walsh talk about that when uh, when he there was, I guess, a contract dispute with Don Felder and the Eagles and uh, Don Felder wanted to have some say with, I guess some of the stuff that was going out and Joe Walsh was like, it's a hassle <laughs> Like as someone who has been a solo artist, having to just make a decision on every picture that goes out and every this and that it's a hassle. You don't want that trouble, <laughs> you know, like just let's just play. And, and and, and he has, I don't know of anyone else in music who had the fame he had as a solo artist. And then Joined a band and was like, I'll just play. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I'll just like play. Where is that?
1: <clears throat> you know, I mean, that's why she loves Puss in Boots, because it's something that she is invested in creatively. Um, but she can take the backstage seat a little bit. I mean, even though people are watching her like a hawk, they're also <laughs> intrigued. We're, we're it, me and Catherine are interesting enough to where they're also like, huh wow, these chicks are wild, you know, (laughs) we're pretty, we egg each other on. And, um, but I know for Nora, it's like a huge relief Mm -hmm. to just.
0: To not be, to be in a band and not be the one that everyone has. It's really for all
1: of us, you know, it's a relief for me too, even though I'm not a huge artist, like it's, I always stress out, like, how am I supposed to prepare for this? I mean, I'm like, I got the drums out, the guitar out, I try to remember the song. And then we get together and it just works. It just
0: right. That totally makes sense. I think Paul McCartney told a story about when the Beatles met Bob Dylan. And they were all kind of talking about how tough it is to have that level of notoriety because of all the attention that you get. And Bob Dylan said to them, at least you have each other. And it, it made them realize, oh, we're not taking all of this on solo like he is. Yeah. We get to we we can we it's spread out over four people and yeah. we can also they fight
1: over it like who gets the most attention. But ultimately, yeah, that's a really deep deep Bob Dylan man. He always he finally speaks and then he says something that just blows you away. You know,
0: right, right. If
1: you're if, if you can understand it, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, we can understand that one thing. Hey, hey, like,
0: at least you got each other. Speaking of. Uh, Paul McCartney, this is totally random. (laughs) You just posted a picture on Instagram of you with Paul McCartney. And it was like, oh, wow, she met Paul McCartney. And then it says, photographer, quest love.
1: So when I lived next door to you, I was having like a normal night of feeling sorry for myself and being out of money and like, you know, whatever. It was like, I remember I just paid rent and I was like, I'm just going to, totally like eat carrots i just remember i had like no money that week yeah it's like you know i paid all my bills and you know i had work coming but i was like it's cool i'm just gonna take a bath do yoga you know i'll say hi to enrique later you <laughs> know whatever neighborhood vibes you know and i finished my yoga and i get a call from Questlove. we've been rapping on the internet through instagram i met Amir, through Instagram, but we know we we have a lot of friends in Comet and Mm -hmm. a lot of the guys in The Roots I went to school with. Some of my best buddies. Yeah, Ian Hendrickson Smith, who plays saxophone in The Roots. He's one of my dearest friends. He plays in my jazz project. And also I went to school with Dave Guy, who's a trumpet player. Um, We went to the new school in the 90s, you know, and it's like so (laughs) amazing full circle i mean that's a good thing about getting older is you start to circulate with these people and it comes Uh around with the good vibes and so and then you know amir and i just like totally hit it off you know especially back then when i was playing all these drums and i mean and he actually called me up and said what are you doing right now i'm about to see paul mccartney and i have a free ticket and i almost said no i remember i was kind of down about not having money and i was like I'm not even dressed, and then I and then I I, I thought, okay, 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 I'll go. I'll go. So he right. pulls. He he brought us, He was like, I've got my. I'm in my car with a chauffeur, and we're on our way into town. I'll pick you up on the way to Barclays. So I was like, okay, and I go. Kind of shy. I mean, I'm being yeah. brutally honest with you. I don't. You can tell, tell you, in
0: that picture that you're totally being that you're totally shy. I that remember
1: that I was just kind of like all right man let's go you know and he was so nice to me and was a perfect gentleman and like bought me food and you know drink fed me and we had a ball and then we went backstage to meet Paul and I was like I was pretty sure I'd know some people I mean even though it's intimidating I mean I'm blessed to have successful friends and you know I mean I, I was like a little bit like, here we go, you know, but also like, I'll probably run into some people. And I knew some people backstage, of course. But when I got to meet Paul, I was like, "Uh, I just got really, really hot. (laughs) (laughs) Started sweating. And I was like, Paul, anyway, it was just, Paul was amazing. And some of the stuff he said on his show, you know, never left me, you know, talking about songwriting and little, bits of information that he would like unload on the bandstand, like in between songs or talking about how he wrote this song. And even when I think about it now, I'm like, it's so inspiring. And so I, I it's it, anyway, I don't even know why I posted that picture. I guess I've been thinking about finishing music. That's been my daily, like lately, which means it'll probably eventually happen.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, I understand. Maybe it's because we're born the same year or something. Cause, but I have the same sort of, I got to gear up and think about it. And it it turns in my brain for a little while before I actually put it
1: out. Make it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes me feel better. It's not <laughs> just me. Yeah. I mean, it's like I'm starting to understand myself a little bit more and, and judge less because, you know, mm-hmm. my brother was an amazing, amazing artist. He, you would, if you dig me, I mean, you would totally get a oh, I bet. out of my brother. He's such an interesting creature, um, but he's... He's 2 years older and he he climbed on a drum set, you know, my parents house looked just like mine with instruments everywhere and like was like "uppy uppy" and he's been playing drums since he was, you know, 2, it's still in diapers. There's this picture of him like playing the drums and he's in a diaper and it's like he's just this amazing musician who I'm a little bit more like shy. It's taking me a lot. I'm a late bloomer, the typical younger sister vibe where I just watched him thrive my whole life and always was like, why can't I do that? It looks so easy. What is, you know, what's wrong with this? And so anyway, Smith will like think about something for two seconds and just do it. We're all thinking about something for two years. All right. You know, it's a process, but it's not necessarily wrong. It's just different.
0: It's just you different. Know? And it's totally fine. And it's what you totally need fine. to get it done the way you like for it to be done. And, and for, it yes. to, you know, it's, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I think some people think that it's lazy. Why don't you just do this? It's like, well, I'm doing it up here in my head. Absolutely. Like, I, I am doing it. You are doing <laughs> just it. Just because it's yeah. not out yet doesn't mean I'm not doing it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and I do, I mean, in some of the self-help thing, things that I've listened to over the over the number of years I've been around, like, Whatever, like the secret and some of those things that people like or manifest your dreams or whatever. It's like, you know, if you think about any of those conceptually, where you're like, you want to feel good, at least you're a creator or a writer or a director or a producer, you're making something. You know, I feel like when I'm feeling good, when I'm feeling inspired, there's this momentum that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I think there's a little bit of discipline you know, where I could push myself a little bit more than where I want to go or I mm-hmm. should, should, could sit down and make myself right even if I don't feel inspired. I think a little bit of that is good. I think that ultimately go with what inspires you. Like if you're, if you're stuck mm-hmm. and you're working on something and nothing's happening, like put it down into something else that's fun. Right. Whether it's painting, going for a run, cooking, something else, listen to music, get into a zone and then come back. You know, right. what I try and do hmm
0: I've heard that uh, follow the inspiration. Yes. That's a good method.
1: I'm into that. You know, yeah. No, I mean, I, I do think for people like me who are always trying to follow the inspiration, putting a little bit of discipline, a little bit of schedule doesn't hurt. But that definitely when you're trying to figure it out, whatever it is you're trying to do, like starting with the place of feeling good and that if I have an idea and it feels great, and then I try and like hang in there a little bit and work with it, you know, or another
0: idea. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, we could talk forever, but yeah. at the end of the episode, it's time to create something together. Okay. Um, but in hearing us when you, when you write songs, um, you have all these different things that you can do. And of course people will say like, well, sometimes the lyric comes first and sometimes the melody comes uh-huh. first, but you're, A drummer and a guitarist and a singer so and and a songwriter so what what is your process when you're saying I want to sit down and write
1: you know so what I've found in my I mean I have things that I do just to do to feel good like yoga I really love writing in the morning if I'm not rushing off to yoga if I'm having a slower or earlier morning I love banging away on my typewriter I use a typewriter because I don't love the way my fingers feel on the digital I use the phone or the computer if there's nothing else around but there's just something so lovely about getting off the device and having nothing to plug in mm-hmm. and the typewriter is cool because for songwriting it's more like haiku vibes yeah <laughs> you know and then so then there's that whole thing but when it comes to like getting inspired which i'm in the space right now i'm i'm staring at my drums my piano what i did recently is I pulled out this like soundboard and then my amplifier and then the microphone and the mic stand and the cord, you know, and I'm plugging everything in and I plug in and then I put a little effects on there and I start singing. This was just the other day just to test out a mic. And then I was like, oh, there she is, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because I could like try and sing at home without amplification. But there's something about singing into a mic, practicing Uh into a mic that is a vibe in itself. Just mm-hmm. like plugging your guitar in is a vibe. So I tend to start with the guitar and mess around on guitar. And from there, I'll find a melody or a chord progression that either evokes a feeling or a lyric and then come back to it and ruminate. That's generally what happens. Or I look at something, a lyric, or I'm looking at a bunch of bullshit, a bunch of stuff that I've written. And, <laughs> and, and <laughs> maybe there's like one line where I'm like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah. And work with that. But I definitely would say to any artist, and I say that I I don't teach a lot just because it gets too much into that schedule, that thing. If you're a writer or creator or painter or whatever, you need time in your life where nothing is scheduled. You need a lot of time to do nothing. And I don't really do that. I don't leave enough time gotta have time i don't i mean some people are prolific and they're writing in the crap or they're writing you know on the train you know what And <laughs> yeah. i'm not uh, i need to have time where i'm sitting around in my music space thinking moving yeah from-
0: i'm the same way i know people i know stand-ups who can write on the train and i just i can't write on the train
1: <laughs> maybe if i already have a song that's almost done and i've got yeah. like a bunch of verses and then i'm just picking through the words and going all Bob Dylan, like trying to get like the words right, you know, <laughs> but for starting something out. Yeah. Also one thing I got into when I moved to the Rockaways, I mean, I moved out here to write. I, I knew that it would be hard socially for me to like leave my comfort zone, leave the wine shop, mm-hmm. not have the comfort of my friends being like available next door. Mm-hmm. So I moved out here and yeah, I mean, the first thing I did was set up like GarageBand. And there's something about plugging in and putting on my headphones and working on ideas.
0: Mm -hmm. And by GarageBand, you mean on the Mac, not the video game garage. The Mac,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, getting into your little cave, into your little vibe and just like creating a cave, creating like a fucking workspace or um, just making it be the most important thing. You know, (laughs) I'm telling myself this as i tell you because i'm in this space where like i know it's kind of coming down it eventually kind of trickles into like the only thing that matters is finishing whatever the heck it is you're trying to do right because right. life is so like it at you there's so much at you whatever mm-hmm. you're, t- whatever you do you could stay busy just staring at social media all day you know yeah nothing's happening you know when the birds fly all right it's like taking everything out of the equation, except for what it is you want to do and Mm. make a playground out of it. You know, I've been kind of in a protective space with my time because it's, it's hard to map out time to make anything, finish anything. Yeah. But it'll happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. Well, there it is. Call me next week. I'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Oh gosh. Thank you
0: so much for being on the podcast.
1: Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Sasha rocks. She is opening up for Nora Jones on July 28th in Shelburne, Vermont. In New York City, she's performing jazz at Bar Bayou July 21st at 8 p.m. and doing original music at Slate on July 25th at 8. And October 5th, she's playing with jazz guitarist Peter Bernstein at Lincoln Center. Go to SashaDobson.com for more details on these shows. Tickets to the Lincoln Center show will be up closer to the date on her site or JALC.org. Follow her on Instagram at SashaDobson underscore, on Twitter at sashadobson and on facebook at sasha dobson music follow us on twitter facebook and instagram at there it is pod follow me on twitter at jason far jokes and on instagram at jason far picks go to there it is pod.com for newsletter and support info until next time be good to each other